Why don't we go to the Lord in prayer? Let's pray. Father, we um, really expect your presence. And Father, I pray that your words would speak deeply to us, convict us, um, and enlighten us so that we may truly will not fear death. Uh, as Apostle Paul confessed, to die is gain. For as life for him always meant for Christ. Speak to us um, and, and minister to us, Lord, deeply. We thank you and give you glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, this morning I was doing my quiet time uh, in Proverbs. I don't know if you do this, but um, I've been doing uh, one Proverbs per day. As you know, that book of Proverbs have 31 chapters. So each day I would read and then I would ask, Lord, uh, speak to me through this text. Um, I noticed that year 2014, February 27th, uh, this particular verse really spoke to me about five years ago. Well, this morning in particular uh, spoke loud and clear. For the verse says, do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring forth. Wow, how true it is, because last night um, uh, we were at my mother's wake service. Um, after I preached here last Sunday, it was going to be two-part series. To live is Christ. To me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. So I was going to bring a message on to die is gain today. Well, uh, in between these two messages, my mom, who is now uh, 89 years old, uh, she suffered three years uh, with Parkinson's disease, and she was ready to go, but we didn't know when. Uh, but basically, uh, Tuesday morning, uh, she went to be with the Lord. So we just had a wake service um, last night at Rose Hill and woke up this morning, opened my Bible, do not boast about tomorrow. I said, absolutely. You're right, Lord. But another case happened. It's kind of mind-boggling. Uh, my mom, I understand, she's 89. She lived a full life. She's ready to meet the Lord, and the entire family rejoiced. But um, Thursday morning, we get a text uh, from a wonderful friend who we met for many, many decades. We were friends for many decades. And in terms of defining friendship, you know, there are people who meet because of what you do. There's always a reason why you're meeting them. You know, as they say in America, there's no free lunch. Why are you meeting? Is there a reason why you meet? And, and I got kind of fed up with that. You know, the whole American way of life, always expecting stuff and, and very capitalistic in, you know, even negotiating relationship. What do I gain by meeting this person? I got kind of sick and tired of this American scene. So uh, our friends uh, decide to just meet. We, we call in Korean, 그냥, <laughs> just because. 
When we get together, we have no reason. We don't have agenda. We don't talk about anything. We don't talk about ministry. These are a bunch of pastors. We just meet, just because. And so we got 그냥 diners club, or we just meet at someone's house, have party, we celebrate. We've been doing this for many decades. Well, he's the member of that, and we recently had dinner. Um, they couldn't come to my wife's 60th birthday, so they said, hey, there's a Korean uh, chicken place in the source in Buena Park, so why don't we celebrate? And we're having a wonderful time. He just finished his PhD, and he was so excited about teaching business as mission. And I said, hey, you know, we have a, we're, we've been training uh, in Vietnam, underground pastors. So why don't you go to Vietnam and teach some of these underground pastors? Oh, that would be brilliant. And so he actually came to Vietnam and, and taught and excited. Um, and he was um, 62. And he decided, I'm, I'm, I'm healthy enough. I think I'm ready to do my first marathon. See, I, we always challenge each other. Iron sharpens iron. I ran uh, 17 marathon in my life, and so kind of challenging one another. I know some of you are looking at me like, it doesn't look like he ran 17 marathon. <laughs> the right question is, if I didn't, how would I look like today, you know, is the question. <laughs> I, yeah, I did run, I do run half marathon, and I just started training for it too, because I'll be finishing one in December. But he did, he went out, I say, honey, I need to go, and I'm going to not run today because I'm going to walk about a couple miles and come back. Oh, 40 minutes later, there was a knock on the door. Some stranger walks in and said, we found your husband on the street. Had two massive heart attacks. And he died. And so Thursday morning, went to his ICU. <laughs> and he got all hooked up to a machine. A guy that I just had dinner with. And I don't think my wife took it well. He, she was traumatized. Not, not by my mother's passing, because we've been praying, Lord, no pain, just send her home. And, and she had to fly in from Cambodia, and uh, she couldn't really be with her at the last days. But um, to see our mutual friend hooked up to a machine and basically said, we need to unplug. His funeral set in November 1st, 7 p.m. After funeral, I take a flight to China. And I woke up this morning, Lord, my mom makes sense, but why Pastor Park? Good friend, he's just finished PhD, he got so excited about publishing his thesis into Korean and he needed my coaching because I was in the process of publishing my thesis into Korean book. And he said, oh, I wrote my thesis in English, and no read my thesis in English, and how are you doing your trans, transver, transferring that to Korean? I said, oh, there's a Papago. Yeah, it's a translating service, free, and it's pretty good, about 80% correct, so you just need to add. So we're kind of excited. I was so excited that he'll be publishing his book in the Korean. Many years of teaching, I said, you need to come and Cambodia and teach, and we had all this master plan. Well, the word of the Lord said, do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring forth. So I said, Lord, okay, doesn't make sense. 
And as I said last week, for Bathsheba, the life didn't make any sense. It's just taking a bath. And she gets raped and her husband killed. And now she ends up with this guy, the rapist, husband killer, and had to respect him and love him as her husband. Because God said, I love this guy. How do you deal with that? Why would you want to live through that? You see, it's those profound moments when I was questioning God. God, 89-year-old my mom, I understand, but 62-year-old Pang Moksanim, I don't get it. What's the purpose? Why? Why did you let him go through this PhD process? And after he finished, you take him away. You see, the life does not make sense. See, and I always think about my own uh, my journey with faith. See, faith does not make reality delusional. Faith does not make reality delusional. Sometimes reality is so hard that we make faith our crutch and say, oh, I'm just going to believe, I'm going to believe, I'm going to believe. No, face the fact, face the reality. Faith can stand firm and overcome reality, and that's what Bathsheba did. That's what I will be doing with processing the death of my friend. Lord, how do we overcome death? And Apostle Paul speaks to us and he says, well, to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. He had absolute understanding of life after death. He had, was certain that when he dies, that you have it better than what he has it here. That's why it's the to die is gain, guys. Let me tell you, I'd rather die and be with the Lord now, but I stay because of your sake that I may bring more people to the kingdom of God, he confessed. You see, I experienced that when I was very young. I was only 17 years old when I encountered Jesus. 1979, August 3rd, 9.30 p.m. Jesus became real. I was at a revival meeting. The Korean preacher from Incheon was preaching away at Korean immigrant church in Torrance. And I'm sitting there like a Pharisee, one who studied the Bible one verse a, week, a day I was memorizing. And I was junior high president and high school department president of the church. And I was, got accepted to UC Berkeley. I'll be going to Berkeley in 20 days, excited, pumped. And I was such a lover of church and lover of Bible and lover of everything religious. And God started speaking to me. God said, are you a Christian? And when I heard God's voice, I said, what are you, who's talking to me? I looked back and there was no one behind me who spoke perfect English. And God spoke to me in perfect English, no accent. And I, I said, Lord, I knew about you, study about you. Love all the stuff that you've done, but I never encounter you at a personal level. That's when I realized I wasn't a Christian. I remember freaking out. I was so afraid. I stood up in the middle of revival. I ran out of the church, ran into the parking lot. I cried. I repented. I gave my life to the Lord. I say a thousand yeses in advance that, Lord, whatever you ask me, I'm going to do. And then I, as I was getting up about three hours later, <laughs> 11 p.m., as I was getting up, the presence of God came. Like 
Shalom, the spirit of dove in the form of Holy Spirit started manifesting on me. You know, I remember as a young boy, 17, I stood at that forest. I said, God, if heaven's like this, I want to go there now. Take me, Lord. Take me. I don't want to live. Wow. That was fantastic. People ask, you know, it's just the other day at the funeral. And after the funeral, we all go to buffet and celebrate. And my, all my friends and all my all mutual, I had a church. I planted five churches in SoCal, five churches. And so a lot of ex-members came and, and we were kind of joking. And one of the brother uh, was a member of my church, now professor, and he rode a big motorcycle to funeral. And we we're kind of joking and said, oh, riding motorcycles. Then just, Pastor O, don't ride motorcycles. It's too dangerous. I said, life is dangerous. <laughs> don't worry about it. It's calling in my life to ride. <laughs> and we talk about like death and you know all that. And, and I said, I do not fear death. I, you don't understand. Really? I'd rather die and go to heaven now. <laughs> I experienced at age 17. You know, and, and it really becomes real. Of course, at age 17, you, you, you are 17 and you're a male. <laughs> you know why the insurance money is high for a male until they're 23? Because the, the sense of death never kicks in until you're 23 for men. <laughs> That's why they do foolish stuff. <laughs> you know, insurance then adjusts like, okay, they, he hit 24, so he's now going to think a little more serious about life. That's why the insurance is so high for a 23-year-old boy, especially a rider. Well, I've been riding since 50. But, you know, you also overcame that by some discipline. I was fasting 40 days. And up in the mountain, on the 36th day, I remember crying out to God. You know, I fasted 40 days four times. So every time it hits me. And I don't know why it hits me on the 36th day. <laughs> 36th day comes, and usually I lose about 45 pounds up in the mountain. And then the, the, the communion with God is so wonderful, so intimate. It's surreal. It's so incredible. I remember every time the 36th day of my prayer has been, Lord, I feel really bad for my wife and for my children. But could you just take me home? Could you just take me home? I, can I just go fasting 41, 42, 45, 50 and die so I could be with you? The fellowship with our God, living God, is so intimate, so incredible. Nothing really matters, you know? And, and so... How do you overcome that? Well, <laughs> encounter God. Make that real. You see, I've known my mom all my life. <laughs> She's my favorite mom. And um, she is an incredible lady. She uh, kept entire life journal. She wrote diary all her life. And she had me the privilege of receiving all this diary from 50s. Rows and rows of diary. Each day she wrote. And 
she was such an incredible uh, note taker, and she always wrote. So I said, Mom, why don't you actually write Bible since you always loved it? Her handwriting is beautiful. I said, why don't you write Old Testament and New Testament for your children? You got five of them. Why don't you do that? And she said, should I? So I went and bought those leather-bound empty Bible. I mean, you know, the best way to make money is to bind an empty sheet of paper <laughs> and then charge $35 for it. <laughs> I don't know how they justify that. But <laughs> it's leather-bound, completely empty. <laughs> Nothing's written. It's $35. So I would have to buy four volumes of that so they start writing Old Testament. New Testament, two hours a day. And it took her 20 years to write entire Bible five times for all of her children. And I remember last year she said, son, I'm done with writing the entire Bible for all my children. Now I'm ready to die. I said, mom, no. You got how many grandchildren you have? <laughs> so I got her more books. I said, Okay, maybe not Old Testament and New Testament. Just New Testament in Korean. So maybe they'll learn Korean to read your Bible. So she started on it. She said, no, son, I'm ready to go. I said, no, mom. All the grandchildren wait you. <laughs> so she started Matthew. And she started writing Mark. And then the third year into her Parkinson's, her hands start shaking. and said, son, I'm sorry. My hand shakes too much. I don't think I could write. So I have. And, and then, you know, she went to be with the Lord. I remember she went to church all her life and going through all her pictures. Oh my gosh, I didn't know my mom was so cute when she was young. She was a cute lady and went through pictures after pictures and, and her life at church in Korea and life, her life in church in America. I remember the day that I went to my mom because after encountering Jesus, I said, Mom, you're just like me. You've been to church, but you, you never met Christ, Mom. And so when I became encounter God and I, I became a uh, 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 start planting a ch church, I start discipling her. I did master life with her and, and taught her. And, and, and weekly, we were doing discipleship together. And at the end of the disciple, my mom said, now I understand what it means to follow Christ. And she said, I've been deaconess in my church all my life, but would you honor me, son, with baptizing me in your church? I planned my church 1991, February 3rd. That's 20 many, many years ago. And uh, April that year, I was doing my first baptism service, and she was number one candidate for baptism. I, I have a picture, actually. I was flipping through, and then she kept that picture, Polaroid, as I was baptizing my mom. And ever since then, we connected spiritually, and she talks now, as a followers of Jesus Christ. You know what she said? She said, we're randomly talking about some lady, about her faith and things like that. You know, in the olden day, my mother would say, does she go to church? 
That was would be her measuring stick of is he following Christ. So I would always challenge her, Mom, someone going to church means Jack. You know, it doesn't mean anything. So what if you can't go to church? But it shouldn't be your measuring stick, Mom. So went through the whole discipleship. Now guess what? On the passing, now she's old, frail. You know, I always take her to Gilmok in LA. That's her favorite restaurant. Galbi and the noodle, the cold noodle. And I mean, that's our favorite hangout. And we'll go there and I'll feed her. And, and she, on the passing, said, you know so-and-so I met? Yes, mom, that's the new relative that we're welcoming to our family. She said, I think she encountered Jesus. That's what she said. That, at that moment, I realized I will see my mom in heaven. Because her measuring stick has radically changed, and now she understands what faith is. Faith in Jesus Christ is not displayed in coming to church. Faith in Jesus Christ is to understand that has that person encountered Jesus and make that a qualitative, quant the reason you understand someone's faith. I told you, faith does not make reality delusional. It sees the fact. And when she saw a lady, she saw this lady has evidence of encountering Jesus. She says she's Christian because she encountered Jesus. In Korean, 그 여자 예수 만났더라. 예수 만났더라. She encountered Jesus. Now I know she's Christian. What a profound statement. How do you overcome death? Well, encounter Jesus. Make him real. And when you really encounter Jesus, live a whole life, whether it would be 62 or 89, that you will be with him. And for that, you do not fear death. To die is gain. Amen? That's what it means. Faith should not make you avoid facts. Faith does not give you a way out of facing reality. You know, too many of my journey met people who said, oh, it's, life is hard, so I'm going to believe, as if it's a crutch. I said, no, face it. Face that un incredibly difficult reality and let faith overcome that. Don't run away from reality by hiding in faith. That's not what faith is. That's not, when you encounter Jesus and the Jesus that you encounter is so real, then you don't really worry about the things that what people say and people do. And, and you know, each day be faithful. Each day you said, I'm going to walk this path with God. I do not boast about tomorrow. How can I? No, really, when my friend in ICU, who am I? Why am I so different? Of course not. We're all the same, right? And each day you, you say, Lord, I'm going to be faithful to you each day. I'm going, not going to boast about tomorrow, which I cannot guarantee. You are the holder of the reality. You are the holder. You are the one who makes make me have a breath again next morning. This morning I woke up. My wife is really, I mean, I've been with her for 35 years. I've never seen her this sick. She's the first time, I think, in 35 years of our marriage that she couldn't go to church because she was sick. First time. And I looked at her and I said, wow, 
must really have impacted her, our friends going. And, but, you know, honestly, that's what life is. It, it, we need to basically say, well, I'm sorry. You know, I mean, there is an aspect of counseling and gift of mercy and, and we need to hear and we need to be a shoulder that people could cry on. As a minister, I did plenty of that. Empathy and sympathy and, 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 and cry together and that's wonderful. We need to do that to each other. But ultimately, we do not hide the fact, do not hide the reality. It's going to get okay. No, it's not going to be okay. The dead remains. They are dead. It's not going to get any better. Oh, somehow it's going to get better. So I, I believe, believe in good God. Yes, I do believe in good God. But you need to face the fact, as Bathsheba did. As we're doing, as face my, my friend's death. And this whole week I'll be processing. You know? And it's not going to be easy. It's just so crazy how all these event took place in between. It's a very crucial time. You know, tomorrow I will be finally burying my mother at the mountain, Rose Hill. And then that's one o'clock. And three o'clock uh, conference that I organized takes place in LA. And people are flying in from Europe, all over the world. We have 30 people coming from all over the world and US for this event, three, two nights and three days. I'm the host. And I'll be there organizing, presenting my paper, talking, fellowshipping, debates. And, and Thursday, Friday, I have to attend a conference in Fuller Theological Seminary. And Fuller, Friday morning, and then Friday night, 7 p.m., I put my, I go to my friend's funeral and take a flight that night to China. And I'll arrive in China Sunday morning. And someone will pick me up and I go to church in Shanghai and preach and minister. And, and so guess what? So someone's calling and my wife is calling. Sorry, honey, I cannot. <laughs> She's saying, where are you? <laughs> Family's at home now. <laughs> I guess I better go. But, <laughs> you know, I'll be end up in Shanghai 6 a.m. And then I'll be preaching 9 a.m. And... And 6 p.m., I take a flight to Chiang Mai, Thailand. And from Thailand, two days later, to Thai, uh, Sulin. And uh, incredible. So I said, my children, they were worried. They said, Dad, are you okay? Seems like you're not really grieving properly, Dad. <laughs> I said, children, leave me alone. <laughs> I'll officially grieve in two weeks, somewhere in Chiang Mai. I designate two days <laughs> that, that I don't do anything that I, I'm not responsible for anything. And I said, let me grieve for my mom and for my friend properly. And, <laughs> sorry. And, and that we can, so that I can really see and understand and not avoid the fact, avoid the reality of death. But then, then I will not glossy over by saying faith. In faith, it's going to be all okay. No, it's not going to be all okay. Because I have to face my friend, wife, who's been our mutual friend for many decades. Because as we are praying for him in his ICU deathbed, she started weeping. She's young. She said, what do I do now, Bob? What do we do now, Jenny? How do I go on living? I have no answer for that. 
I cannot just tell her, oh, get over it, love Jesus and get over it. I cannot tell her to love Jesus and get over it. We need to face that fact. Someone that we dearly love passed away. What do we do now? How do we overcome? And we say, Jesus, you are real. I will not denounce you. You are so real to me that I cannot not accept the fact that you are real. You see, when I encountered Jesus at 17, I told you that it, my life changed. And, and 20 days later, I end up at UC Berkeley and philosophy major. And here I am, man, got turned on, man. I'm Jesus freak. I'm sharing the gospel, talking to everybody about Christ. And first day in my philosophy class, Dr. Firebrand from Switzerland comes for about 400 philosophy major freshmen and philosophy students of Berkeley. It was my first encounter with philosophy class. Dr. Firebrand walks in, you know, he's an old guy, retired. He only teaches two classes after retirement, one at Berkeley and one at Sorbonne in Paris. And the first word out of his mouth, is, he never even said, my name is so-and-so, everybody knows who he is, world-renowned philosopher. So he, as he was sitting down, he lifted up his finger with thick accent. He said, Jesus Christ never resurrected. 1979. Wow. What the? <laughs> Why is he talking about Jesus Christ, number one, his philosophy class? Talk about Socrates. Talk about Plato. Why are you talking about Jesus Christ, man? He said, Jesus Christ never resurrected. And then, he sat down, and then he spent next 20 weeks talking about how Jesus and his followers were liars, and Jesus never res resurrected. And that's, that's all he did, 20 weeks of disproving resurrection of Jesus Christ. Wow. And he says, final paper, you write it, 15 page, that's your final grade. No quiz, no midterm, just one paper. So guess what? I wrote my first philosophy paper, <laughs> and the title of my paper was The Resurrection of Jesus Christ. <laughs> I wrote it, submitted it. A week later, I get it back. My TA, of course, he would never read that. He had a dozen PhD students at Berkeley. And they read, and she this lady gave me a B plus. So I took that paper and then um, to her and I said, um, sister, <laughs> is this a B plus paper to you? And she got like, I can't believe you actually wrote this. After a professor said that Jesus never resurrected, you wrote about the reality of Christ. <laughs> I said, why do I have to agree with my professor? Are we here to be brainwashed? Do we need, all we need to agree with the professor? I disagree with him because I met Jesus this morning. He's real to me. Why don't you get it? And then she said, how can you be certain? I said, because I'm absolutist. I believe things are absolute. How can you be absolute? Everything's are relative. I said, I asked her, are you absolutely sure about that? <laughs> if you're truly a relativist, then you should allow me to have my absolute because everything's all relative. And so we got into this huge fight. And I remember her finally 
conceded. Because, you know, if it was UFC, I was choking her. You know, like, she tapped out. <laughs> and she said, okay, okay. Bob, that was a good paper. You're right. It was a paper. And then she was getting up. So I said, why are you getting up? I said, oh, I'm going to go change your grade. I said, oh, time out. Sit down. You mean all this time you thought I came here to change my grade? I said, well, you're Asian, aren't you? <laughs> I said, no, this Asian's a little different. I said, I don't, I don't care about my grade. Your grade does not define me. I like C. It stands for Christ. <laughs> a for Asian. But <laughs> it doesn't define me. And, and you, are you telling me you call Christian bigots? But look at yourself. You manipulating student with your grade? Wow. How dare you? You know, don't ever make a statement like that. And, 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 and as I was getting up, I really felt six foot two. You know, I felt tall. Walking out, and behind my back, she threw a final dagger. She said, well then, how come I did not receive one paper like you? Everybody denounced Jesus in their paper. Wow, that took me by surprise. I turned around and I said, you mean all the people you read, not one defended Christ? Nope. Everybody said Jesus never resurrected. Well, for a lousy grade, you denounce Christ. Maybe some of them went to church all their life. Maybe some of them want to be oh, lawyers. So that's why they're pre-philosophy. A lot of philosophy the lawyers want to do so that they could get into grad school and on and on. And, and I'm like, for the lousy career, someone will denounce Christ? For lousy A, you said that Jesus never resurrected? Are you kidding me? Following Christ starts with encountering Christ. When you encounter Christ and He becomes real, He has become real for 40 years of my life, and I pursue Him passionately. I say, God, wherever you tell me to go, I'll go. Whatever you tell me to do, I'll do. I don't put any qualification, any... I said, oh, if you bless me, Lord, and if I could travel and, and you bless my family and health and wealth and all this prosperity gospel that's from hell, if the whole America could go that way, I said, no, Jesus that I met is not that. Jesus I met is real. And he speaks and leads and guides and says, for you, I want you to do this for me. And we simply say, yes, Lord, here we go. Now, it's going to take me some time to process, and it's not cause and effect. I'm not going to avoid the fact that I will grieve over my friend's death for time, some time. And I'll ask God, why, Lord? That does not mean that I do not follow Him. He's my Lord. He's my Savior. I just don't understand at this point. So I'm going to say, God, make it plain to me. Someday, it will dawn on me. I hopefully, it will be in Chiang Mai in two weeks. I'll say, I get it. Thank you, God. Let me do my part in following you. I will follow and pursue him all the days. Not because he prospers me. Not because he makes sense. Not because the faith that I have has me, the, the reality that, that the, the reality is real. And I need to face it. I need to accept it. I need to move on and say, God, thank you. 
I'll follow you rest of my life, no matter what. Although it does not make any sense at this point, Lord. Amen? I pray that Dogamsa EM would have, would produce disciples who really pursue God because you encounter Christ and you will not denounce Him. You will not avoid reality, glossing over. Think of faith. Faith is real. Faith makes what's invisible visible. Faith is a gift from God. Ask God. And we shall walk this journey together someday. They will say, hey, hey, I met Jesus. I encountered Jesus. Encounter Jesus each single day that you wake up and say, Jesus, here I go another day. Lead me, Lord. Let us pray. God, I thank you. Hmm. Your pastor asked me to actually pray for those who really want uh, prayer. So after the benediction, if you want, you could come forward and we'll spend plenty of time to pray for you. But at this time, for everyone, let's just really be honest with yourself and with your faith. Who is Christ to you? <laughs> Can you really bet your life on it? Or is he just someone who prosper you and if you believe and follow, I heard that it won't be bad. It's like an insurance policy. Or it just it scratches your religious itch. And you know, you rather be religious and come to church and I like Christian life. No, don't turn our faith into a hobby. It's not, oh, I'd rather be here than play golf kind of thing. The eternity is at stake. Encounter Jesus. Say, Jesus, I, I need you. I, I don't need to be my religious leader. I don't want you to be this phantom, someone out of the Bible that everybody talk about. But I want to hear from you, God. I want to be touched by you. I want you to matter in my life. I want to live for you. I don't need you to support my lifestyle. I, I call you Lord. Why don't you come and be the Lord of my life? Speak to me that I may obey. Holy Spirit, come. Come take our hearts. Thank you, Father. Give you glory. Hallelujah. Um, Holy Spirit, come, speak to us, manifest yourself, God, that we may make you real in our lives, that we will not play games with you or, or make you religious, and turn it into rituals. But each morning, Lord, as we wake up, we confess, God, another day, wow, Brilliant, thank you. What shall I do, Lord? 
How do I face this day that I will not boast about tomorrow? For this day you've given, Lord, how should I live fully for your kingdom, for you, as my love confession, O oh God? So Holy Spirit, come, convict us. Could you just lift your hands to the sky in sign of obedience and say, God, here I am. Receive, Lord God, my confession. Come and be real, Lord, in my life from tip of my finger to bottom of my feet. Fill us with your Spirit. Open our hearts. We, we don't have strength, Lord, to be victorious this week without you. We admit our weakness, Lord God. So come. Empower us to be victorious this week, this tomorrow, this day. Without you, I can do nothing, Lord God. You are divine. You are divine. We are your branches. Without you, we can do nothing. So thank you. Thank you, Lord. We give you glory, give you thanks. Father, manifest yourself deeply today. That we walk away satisfied knowing that you are real, you are with us. Although uh, the reality of harsh facts of what we're going through, God, we want to face it. We want to overcome it. We want to break through, not avoid, not run away, not hide from it. Thank you, Father, in advance for what you'll do today. Give you glory and thanks. In Jesus' name we prayed. Amen.